Open your Bible, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to complete a study today in uh, this passage of Scripture from Ephesians 6. It has to do with our defense as Christians. This last week with the inauguration of a new president, some of the Cable channels have had some specials about the presidency, and one of them was about Air Force One. And uh, obviously they were limited in what they could show us because of security concerns, but what we did see was a a tremendous amount of communication ability. Uh, Everything from video conferencing to secure telephones to open telephones, internet, uh, um, cell phones, etc., The president has to be in communication with the military at all times. We're not always at war, but there has to always be a line of communication open should that be necessary. And what we're going to find today as we consider the end of this passage in Ephesians 6 is this. As Christians, we are consistently in a spiritual battle, and we need to have a line of communication open at all times so that we can communicate with our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to read this passage together. If you've been working on memorizing it, which I hope you have, maybe you can just close your eyes so you won't see what's on the screen here. And uh, we're going to read it together or say it from memory. Here we go. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And for those of you that were working on memorizing it, I added a verse right there at the end, and uh, you'll understand why today. The enemy of our souls, the very real personal devil or Satan, is consistently working against us both directly through his many demons and indirectly through the world system in which we live. The only way to be safe from his attacks on our spiritual life as a Christian is to put on the armor of God and, as the old hymn says, each piece put on with prayer. Today we come to the last element in the spiritual armor, 
which really isn't an element of the armor, but something according to the way this is written, we should be doing as we are putting the armor on. The uh, word praying there is, is a participle, and it indicates that there's something going on while we're preparing ourselves for spiritual battle, battle by putting on the armor. And so we want to talk about prayer and spiritual victory today. And the first thing we want to understand is this. Spiritual victory requires prayer. And the word prayer in Ephesians 6.18 is a general word for prayer or for talking to God. And so I want to ask the question, in light of these verses that we've been studying, why must we pray? Why must we pray in order to have spiritual victory isn't the armor of god sufficient and i believe the answer come on da, 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 da. go ahead and click me a couple mm-hmm. come on we got a new computer so this wouldn't happen there it goes there we go thank you If we ask the question, why must we pray to have spiritual victory? The answer is this, the enemy is unseen. Did you notice that as we read the scripture earlier? Put on the whole armor of God, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now I know that the devil primarily works perhaps through the world system that we see, but if he is an unseen, invisible enemy, how can we possibly fight him accurately if we can't see him? Well, the answer is that God can see him. Look at this, this verse from Zechariah that's uh, terribly scary. Zechariah says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. I don't know when Satan is around. I don't know when there's a demon around. I don't know if there's any in the vicinity. But God does. In this particular situation in the Old Testament, the prophet didn't know. Until, until what? Until God showed him. You see what you're up against here? Look at this from Luke. Jesus talking to Peter He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Did Peter hear those words? No, he did not. In fact, Peter failed miserably several times. These verses go on to say, Jesus says, I have prayed for you, that your faith will be restored. But Jesus saw the enemy. Jesus knew the enemy. From Luke 8 talking about the spreading of the gospel and and comparing the the speaking of the gospel to seeds. Those seeds who are by the wayside are the ones who hear, the people who hear the gospel, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. How does the devil do that? I don't know. When does the devil do that? I don't know, but God knows. And so I need to be a praying person because the enemy of my soul and the enemy of other souls who have not yet believed is an invisible enemy. And if I'm not a praying person, I am not taking advantage of the greatest defense I have, which is God himself protecting me. Last week, I challenged you to find the book of Hezekiah 
in the Old Testament. Here's the real man talking in the Old Testament. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria was coming to attack Israel. And he said, be strong and courageous in front of the king of Assyria. Don't um, don't be afraid, nor, nor before all the multitude that is with him, the huge army that's with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. You can't see the devil and you can't see God. You can't see the angels of God and you can't see the demons of the devil. And so you need to be a praying person when it comes to the spiritual challenges you face day by day. I don't know what's going on up there. I know that the scripture tells me we're wrestling against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And the way these words are here, it indicates to us there's some hierarchy and some structure. You know, Satan doesn't just tell the demons, go out and do whatever you please. There's, There's an organized plan going on, and he is trying to keep people from getting saved. Can you hear in the testimony of this young gal how Satan tried to keep her from faith in Christ? There is no God. This thing that happened to you is just a miracle. And the Lord just opened up her mind so the truth could penetrate. We don't know what is going on in the spiritual realm around us. Do you remember this prayer, this part of the Lord's prayer, as we call it? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Do you know why you ought to be praying to the unseen God about the unseen enemy? Because the unseen God is the ruler. The unseen enemy is a created being and he cannot do what God will not allow. And so we ought to be praying to God if we're going to have spiritual victory. God is the king of the universe. What he says goes. Have you ever said to your kids, why didn't you ask me for help? Maybe after they spilled something, you know. They're this tall and there's something up here and they reach up. They just have to have it and say, ask me for help. Do you ever think God's up in heaven going, why don't you just ask me for help? You see, one of the mysteries we don't grasp is this. God knows what's going on. He knows what's going to go on. And yet, he says, ask. And we say, oh, it's not that important. Oh, I don't have time. Oh, I think I can handle it. And so we spill the milk. And God says, I'm right here. I'm ready to help. But we have to ask. God won't intervene until we ask. Spiritual victory requires prayer. Secondly, spiritual victory requires comprehensive prayer. Look at this verse again, please, if your Bible's open. Verse 18, praying always with how much prayer? All, all prayer and supplication. Praying always. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. 
Romans 12.12, continue steadfastly in prayer. Colossians 1.9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, the Apostle Paul says in talking to the Colossians, we don't cease to pray for you. What does it mean to pray always or to pray without ceasing? I think Warren Wiersbe made it perfectly clear when he said this. It means to keep the receiver off the hook. Now, this is a really, really old phone. The kind you really only see in old movies. But when you take the phone off the hook, even a modern phone, or when you press send on the cell phone, you're connected. And God says, communicate without ceasing. Don't stop. Now, it doesn't mean that you're doing it all the time. Jesus didn't pray 100% of the time he was awake. We understand that. But there's this ongoing communication. Do you know who this girl is? How many know? Well, Barb knows because I asked her to find the picture. Some of you are going to know when I tell you. I'll give you a clue. She's sending a text message on a cell phone. Do you know who she is? She's the world record holder, not because she tried, but because she just happened to send 35,000 text messages in a month. Now, for those of you that think that phone I showed was a brand new phone, a text message is when you punch in letters and numbers on a cell phone and send it digitally that way. You don't talk on the phone. You're sending a text message. She did 35,000 in a month. Thankfully, they had the unlimited plan. (laughs) I can't imagine what that would cost. Just a week or two before that, they were talking about a gal who had sent 14,000 messages. And they thought that was a big deal. I think they figure one message for every minute she's awake. And she said, I'm never without my phone. I'm always communicating. They showed on the video I saw on TV that she's sitting at a computer with the phone in her hand. Her receiver is never on the hook. It's always off the hook. And what God says is, Christian... That's the kind of conversation you should have with God. Now, when she's texting, it's not 100% communication, but it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here. It just never stops. Is your prayer life with God like that? That's what God wants. That's what we need. Pray without ceasing. One commentator said, we should never pray, Lord, we come into your presence. Because we should have never left his presence. John MacArthur commented this, to pray at all times obviously does not mean we are to pray in a formal or noticeable way every waking minute of our lives. Jesus did not do that, nor did the apostles. And it certainly does not mean we are to devote ourselves to ritualistic patterns and forms of prayer that are recited mechanically from a prayer book or while counting beads. That amounts to no more than meaningless repetition that characterizes pagan worship. But when something good happens, it should just be natural for us to say, thank the Lord. When something bad happens, it should be just natural to say, God, help me. When we are tempted, it should be natural to say, God, I'm struggling right here. Help me to say no to this. When a thought of one of your children comes into your mind, I wonder what so-and-so is doing. You could pray for them right in that moment. 
when you're thinking about your spouse in the middle of the day. You could pray for them. When you look into the paper to see what your 401k fund is doing today, you should definitely pray. (laughs) But we don't pray, do we? We worry and we stew and we talk to everybody else except the guy who can take care of us. He may not change everything we pray about, but he will help us through everything we pray about. And so the question I would ask is this, is prayer your go-to action? Period. In life. That's what God is saying. Praying always. You know, foot soldiers are not supposed to make decisions. They're supposed to follow orders. Isn't that right? Can you imagine some fella in Iraq, and maybe we've had some of that, maybe that's why certain things have happened, when they just kind of go off on their own and take matters into their own hand. No, the foot soldier says, what should I do here, sir? And of course, the sir goes all the way up to the top, doesn't it? Well, you don't have to go through. You just go straight and say, what should I do here? Spiritual victory requires comprehensive prayer. It also requires specific prayer. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer. That's the general word used twice. And then the word supplication, kind of a 50 cent old English word, but it it means something akin to specific requests. There is a general praying like, God help me. That's a fine prayer. But there should also be, God help me. Here comes that person that pushes my buttons and I don't do well. It's specific. It's right now. It's right here. God wants us to give specific prayers. It's one thing, uh, Harry Ironside said this, it's one thing to approach God in prayer with a heart full of praise and thanksgiving in a general way to commit one's affairs to him. It's another thing to come with a very definite request for a particular matter for special trouble at a given time. That's why Philippians 4, these familiar verses say, be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and specific requests and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In recent years, I have prayed for some of you by name to come to faith in Christ. Specific prayer. I prayed for my son and his wife to have children in God's time, in God's way. I pray for every person who comes to my office for counsel. I prayed for three members of my extended family who are not believers by name every day. I am praying for several leadership positions for new ministry to be filled in our church. I'm praying for a solution to our full parking lot and soon to be full auditorium. I'm praying for the safe arrival of our next grandchild to Stephanie and Raul. I pray for all of you who are a regular part of our church at least once a week. I pray for the deacons daily. I pray for timber daily. I pray for my own temptations. We need to pray specifically. Jeff is going to come and share some specific answers to prayer that have come through the specific prayers of our prayer group on Wednesday night. 
Um, grab the handheld right there. Like I need a mic. There you go. Yeah, grab the red one, yeah. Last Wednesday night of prayer meeting, for, after it was winding down, for 25 minutes we shared about what God is doing in our church and how he specifically answered our prayers. Two years ago, the attendance at this church, two and a half years ago, was exactly half of what's here today. We were praying for you. We were praying because we were financially broke. We had to delay our payment to our pastors, or our pastor, because we didn't have enough money. And God's people on Wednesday night were praying. In case you didn't, those of you who are new to us, and there's lots of you, don't assume the person sitting next to you is an old-timer here, by the way. There's, there, there's a pile of new folks here today. Um, we spent nearly $60,000 on projects last year. And uh, God allowed it to do us to do those things for cash. Uh, we didn't have that two and a half years ago. We prayed for timber through seminary. If you've never prayed for a young man through seminary, you, you need to do so. We, <laughs> we asked God, and he would call, we would call him sometimes from prayer meeting and uh, ask him what we should pray for. We asked God for new believers, and he sent us some new folks, hasn't he? Oh, we asked God to send young families to us. Have you been in our nursery lately? <laughs> hey, by, by the way, all of you that are parents, we just checked the nursery. All is quiet on the western front. Hey, there's only half of them in there today. Last week there were so many I began to think we needed to punch out a wall. We, we asked God to send new folks here who needed their, us to wrap our arms around them. You know? And uh, in case you didn't know it, we have 20 cars parked in the street. Now we're praying for where to stick you all when you come on Sunday mornings. Oh, we ask God to send us visitors, and yes, he has. We ask God that he, that he would heal some of you, and he did. Some took home. What are you praying for? What aren't you praying for? And why aren't you praying for it? Why not? Do you have a prayer list or a journal to help you to remember to be comprehensive and specific? Friends, the creator of the universe, your father, if you're a believer in Christ, your father is waiting for your requests. How cool is that? Spiritual victory requires specific prayer. It also requires righteous praying. Look at verse 18 again. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This is not a reference to some kind of ecstatic state of soul in which we pray in some miraculous fashion. To pray in the Spirit means you're not praying in the flesh. Romans 8 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed... The Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. What God teaches us is this. When you believe in Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence within you. And he's there to help you. He's there to give you confidence of your salvation, to give you confidence of heaven someday. He's there to help you live day by day. 
And as a Christian, then once the Spirit comes in, you have the choice to walk in the Spirit or to walk in a fleshly, sinful way. King David put it this way, if I regard iniquity in my heart or sin, if I hold on to sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Once we have received the Spirit through faith in Christ, we must walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so the, the, the lesson for us is this. When you come to pray, you need to be right with God. You, you, you can't be walking in wicked sin and say, uh, God, uh, would you help me get some stuff done today? Because God in heaven says, look, I've already shown you the path to walk on, and you don't want to walk on that path. Why in the world would I help you any further? Not to mention the fact that you are, you are abhorrent to me while you allow sin to remain in your life. It would be somewhat akin to a child who rebels just openly and blatantly and just looks in their face and says, and then says, could I have five bucks? Yeah, I got something for you. And you know, that's what God does. That's what Hebrews 12 says. God says, I got something for you, and it's going to help you get back right with me. Then we're going to talk in prayer. Christian, we have to pray righteously, which means when we, we should be in an ongoing condition of connectedness to God, which means we don't allow sin to stay. But if sin has crept in, we need to stop and confess to say, God, I've done wrong. And then we're restored to God. Harry Ironside, again in his commentary, said this, No unconverted person, no unbeliever in Christ as their Savior can pray in the Spirit. But there are even Christians who are in such a low carnal condition of soul that it's impossible for them to pray in the Spirit. And he gave some examples. I cannot pray in the Spirit if there is anyone I will not forgive because of some real or perceived wrong done to me. I cannot pray in the Spirit if I have a selfish motive. I cannot pray in the Spirit if I am seeking merely my own glory or comfort. I cannot pray in the Spirit if I have a coveting heart. Prayer must be offered righteously. Now, there's a wonderful added benefit to praying righteously and to praying at all by living in the Spirit's leading, and that is this. He helps our prayers. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the minds knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you know, that means, Christian, that if you are right with God and you pray about something, that your prayer will get answered, not because it was perfect, but because the Holy Spirit says, look, God, here's what this person really means. Let me help you. God helps our prayers. The Holy Spirit helps our prayers. What a wonderful blessing. I want the Spirit of God helping me to withstand the temptations of the devil. I want him helping protect me. Fifthly, spiritual victory requires attentive praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being 
watchful. Being watchful. When Sue and I went to visit missionaries in Africa, we flew into Ghana and we drove over to Togo. A couple of missionaries came and picked us up. And you know what the border guard looked like at the border of Togo? If I'm lying, I'm dying. I am not kidding you. And he had, right here, he, he had a, a rope. There was a rope across the border, and he'd let it go. Let the border thing go down. When we came up the border, he'd come up. Uh, you know. Is that what you call being watchful? <laughs> Is that the way you pray? Now I lay me down to sleep. Sure enough, I lay me down to sleep. God says to be watchful in prayer. Somehow, somehow what it means is to have this, this attitude of attentiveness about your life. I am constantly finding things I don't pray about. It's like, oh, duh, why didn't I pray about that? And, and somehow our prayer life needs to grow with that attitude of watchfulness. <laughs> Contrast that border guard in Togo with the secret service. Boy, those guys are watchful, vigilant, constantly on the lookout for something that isn't right, a threat. The average police officer that I've spent time with is constantly looking, watching, listening. He has situational awareness. It's the foundation of security. Christian, are you constantly watching, thinking, evaluating your surroundings for the need of prayer? Paul is talking about a purposeful kind of lifestyle, not a lax, autopilot kind of easy lifestyle. Because there's no place we're exempt from the devil's temptation. You might remember these words that Jesus said to the apostles. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And of course, what did they do? They fell asleep. And then what did they do? They all ran like a bunch of scared little children. One of them even left his clothes in the hand of the guy that was trying to grab him. And then what did Peter do later on? Denied the Lord three times. And if you read all of the accounts, you realize that Jesus looks straight at him the third time. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. We've got to be watchful. 1 Peter 5.8, again, another familiar verse. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Sixthly, spiritual victory requires perseverance in prayer. The word perseverance implies challenge. It implies hard work. I don't have to persevere when I'm eating a real nice piece of New York steak that I just grilled on the, on the gas grill. I got one, of those, got one of those things, those searing units, you know. I don't have to persevere. You can't hardly hold me back. But 
Sometimes I have to persevere when I go down to exercise. It's hard work. I heard a fellow talk about prayer a few years ago. This is a guy who prays 20 hours a week, a pastor of a large church. And he said, I don't like to pray. It's hard work. But there's a lot of things I want God to do, so I pray. We've got to persevere in prayer. God never promised to work instantly when we pray. He never promised to do exactly what we ask. He did promise to do more than we ask or think. You know, the last time I saw Bill Lancaster, he was in the, uh, the skilled nursing facility, the Evergreen, I believe it's called. And we talked a little bit, and, and uh, I uh, prayed with them. And I was just ready to leave. And you know what the last thing he said to me was? Could you get me one of those prayer lists of all the people in the church and the, 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 the weekly prayer page? He couldn't even talk in full sentences. He would start talking, and then he'd go, and, and he was like he was asleep, but he really wasn't. I, I don't know if he was resting. I don't know what was going on then. And then he'd finish. And he's asking for a prayer list with your name on it. Wow. And kind of like the Apostle Paul, he was dying of cancer. I don't know what that feels like. And he says, could you get me the prayer list of all the people in the church? That is persevering in prayer. I need that. You need that. We at the First Baptist Church need that kind of perseverance. Lastly, spiritual victory requires prayer for all believers. Look at verse 18 again. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. Now, it's proper to pray for unbelievers, to pray that they'll come to faith in Christ, but we don't pray the armor issues for unbelievers. We pray those for Christians. So let me ask you a simple question. Um, And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I want you to be honest. Do you need prayer at least once in a while from time to time? Okay, hold them up a minute. Would you look around? Okay, is there anybody who said, I don't need prayer? That person needs prayer right there, whoever that is. <laughs> Nobody kept their hand down. Now, in your bulletin, isn't the monthly prayer list in the bulletin this week? That's what I'm talking about. Every month it gets updated. Now, we know there's people that come in in the middle of the month, but we, we publish this once a month. And if you've been attending here, Lord willing, for a few weeks or more, your name's on that list. Christian, God says, pray for how many saints? Now, I don't know the names of every believer in Africa. Excuse me. But I know your names. I don't know all of your needs. But I can still pray for you. And you can still pray for each other. 
if I were to ask you, do you want other people to pray for you? You go, oh yeah, I want them to pray for me. Will you pray for them? Well, you know, I'm kind of busy. Well, wait a minute. This is a foundational ministry. You may not ever get up here and preach, but prayer is critically important. And you can do it. If nothing else, you can say, God, I don't know this person, but please protect them from the devil today. It's a fine prayer. You can also pray for other people the same things you pray for yourself. God, I'm struggling with jealousy today. And then when you pray for other people, say, God, maybe they're struggling with jealousy. Would you help them, please? Whatever it is. Friends, take notice. Prayer is ministry. And this is why I also read verse 19 today. Look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, pray for all the saints and for me. By extension, he's saying, pray for your spiritual leaders. And I'm asking you today to pray for me. Those who are in spiritual leadership need your prayer. And look at the two things he asks for. He says, pray that I can speak boldly and plainly, clearly. I long to be clear when I preach. I know sometimes I'm more clear than others. I could have said sometimes I'm not too clear, but that wouldn't be that good. There's nothing more useless than a deep sermon. That's the one that you think sounds really intellectual, but you didn't get anything out of it for yourself. I want to be clear, and I want to speak plainly. And according to the Apostle Paul, for him to do that required the prayers of the saints. You need to pray for me along those lines, and certainly along other lines of of protection on my life, not because I'm special, but because if I don't do right, there are bigger consequences. Believe me, I'm aware of that. The Apostle Paul said, I need your prayer. Harold Scholes was a well-known pastor in our National Church Fellowship, and in retirement, he was here in the Northwest, and he was an interim pastor in 12 different churches, and he served only troubled churches with great distinction. He, he helped every one of them be ready to move ahead after he left. And in fact, he died while he was pastoring one of those churches. He, he was literally driving down the street and just fell over at the wheel and went to be with the Lord. His wife's name was Louise. And uh, one day, Louise came up to me, and I, I, I knew her like I know all the other pastor's wives, but you know, we weren't like friends or whatever. We were buddies, you know. And she comes up and she goes, I pray for you every day. I thought, what? She says, I have five Davids. Including her own. And five others that the Lord put on her heart. Wow. I was blessed and I was humbled. Are you praying for people? Are you praying for spiritual leaders? Are you praying for your child's Sunday school teacher? Are you praying for Timber as an intern here? And Lord willing, he and Georgia will be missionaries someday in Peru, and we'll have a greater responsibility to pray for them then. 
Harry Ironside said this, it's a blessed thing to know that one is being born up by the saints of the prayer. Paul valued this, and he was the greatest of all the apostles in his ministry. I'm sure that at the judgment seat of Christ, when our blessed Lord is giving a reward to the apostle Paul, he will call up many of the saints whom we have never heard and have them stand with Paul, for they were his fellow helpers in his ministry, And he will say, you held up his hands in prayer. You must share in the reward. Wow. I played tennis in high school. I enjoyed it very much. But I don't remember anyone telling me that victory would only come after real hard work. I wanted to win. And I enjoyed the one match that I won in three years. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I did not know I was going to have to put myself to pain in order to be good enough to succeed. Christian, prayer takes work. But it pays a great dividend. Now, if you've been taking notes... And if you've been taking notes every week, you know that I always put something on for application for you to apply this this week. Well, here it is. You can write down the questions or you can write down the answers. Would you write down on paper how many minutes of organized prayer you have per day? 